You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode 77. It's called Keeping Our People Motivated. And just to give you a big picture, this is actually season five of Leading and Learning, and this is the eighth episode in season five. Like I said, it's number 77 total, but in season five, this is number eight. And this season, what we've really focused on, the first eight episodes, you can go back and check, have been really uh, keying in on some specific leadership, uh, management, supervision, uh, team building ideas, um, some some really important stuff. So I encourage you to go back and check these out. The other, you know, in the other seasons we've done a lot of stuff on leadership too. But but in this season, at least in the the, the first eight episodes, we've really um, tried to give you some very very helpful content to help you in your leadership. So please go back. To, you can go back to iTunes, Leading and Learning, and uh, and check us out while you're there. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single issue. But, uh, but you can check out all of our earlier episodes on leading and learning on iTunes. So today we're talking about motivation. And, uh, you know, motivation is such an important part of leadership. If, if you're unable to motivate people as a leader, you're not going to be a leader for very long. Uh, when I retired from the, the police department at the end of 2011, I had a career of almost 30 years. And when I retired at the end of 2011, um, I retired at the rank of lieutenant. I was a lieutenant for a couple of years. Um, but we had not had any pay raises in several years when I retired. The, the economy was bad. Um, there were some bad decisions made at the governmental level that I worked at the the. the uh, commissioner level, the government that I worked for, and so um, there was really no money to be had. People were quitting uh, the police department, the fire department, going to work in other places where they were making more money, and um, it was really tough to keep people motivated. And as a supervisor, when I was a, a corporal and a sergeant, and then as a, as a lieutenant, I found it very difficult, very challenging to keep the officers motivated. You know, before the recession hit and before the, uh, the, the bottom fell out of the economy, uh, most officers could count on some type of monetary raise every year, as long as their annual performance evaluation was acceptable. And, you know, it wasn't much of a raise, but you knew you were going to get some kind of raise every year. And I know I've read all the studies and know that money is not supposed to be the most important factor in job satisfaction. And it's true. It's really not. But five years without a pay raise does not make for happy employees, and it definitely makes the job of a manager and a supervisor and a leader very, very difficult. So, so after the recession hit, after the, the government quit authorizing pay raises, the officers became frustrated. 
Um, their annual performance evaluations really didn't mean anything anymore. At least didn't mean they were going to get a raise or not. There was no money tied to them. And, you know, most government jobs are very restrictive about how employees are paid anyway, and managers seldom have the freedom to to give bonuses or, or pay raising to deserving workers. So there was really very, very little that we could do to motivate the, the, the workers, to motivate the officers. So, so what happened is, and what happens is the supervisors and the managers have to become creative. Um, you've got to look for other ways to re- reward your best performers and to reward everybody that's, that, that's working. So here's a few suggestions of ways to keep your employees excited about coming to work. Number one, better assignments. Giving employees more input into the type of work that they do can be very helpful, very motivational, and very beneficial. This might be the time to let people try some different types of work if that's possible. A little experimentation may also reveal hidden talents in some of your people. Um, you know, what I tried to do, if I had an officer that was working really hard and was really producing and, and I knew they weren't going to get a raise, there was nothing I could do to give them a bonus or anything, I would, I would you know, maybe let them do something special. Maybe give them a very interesting ins- assignment, maybe assign a very interesting case to them, or maybe even let them come in in plain clothes and work a, a, a plain clothes detail. Um, something interesting, something different, something fun. Um, another thing that you can do, number that was number one, better assignments. Um, number two, thank you cards. A personal note from the boss can actually mean a lot to people. When one of your people has done a really good job on a particular project or a task, a thank you note, a handwritten thank you note, is an excellent way to let them know that we noticed and appreciate their hard work. Many times over the years... True story. Many times over the years, I've been visiting one of my workers in their office or their cubicle, and I've seen a note that I've written them uh, tacked onto their their, um, cork board or or tacked onto their bulletin board. Um, I've seen these notes displayed prominently. And that wasn't just because they knew I was coming to their office. They didn't know that. But it's the kind of thing that meant enough to them that they wanted to display it. Um, I always made a point of sending birthday cards, Christmas cards, and when they did something special, send them a little thank you card. And, and people appreciate this. There, it seems like a small thing, but it's not a small thing. It actually means something. So number one, better assignments. Number two, written thank you cards, not just an email. But then number three, public acknowledgement. Praising one of our people in front of their peers is a great way to let them know that we appreciate them and value their contribution. And, you know, you got to figure out what works for you. But what worked for us was, um, you know, every day we would have roll call in which the officer would be given pertinent information and, you know, information on what was going on in their particular areas. And then they would be given their assignment for the day. This was the perfect time for me to single an officer out who had done a good job um, in the last day or two. And I would always make sure to do it in roll call so their peers could hear it. But I could say, you know, Officer Jones did a phenomenal job yesterday on that arrest. And then, you know, tell a little bit about what he did or maybe even let him tell the story. But make sure that he's getting praised in front of his peers. It goes a long way. People really appreciate 
public acknowledgement from the boss. Now, obviously, if it's something bad, you pull them in the office and talk to them privately. But something good, you acknowledge it publicly. Number four, throw a party. Even in the police department, we managed to, to, to have some special, special get-togethers. One of the units that I managed as a lieutenant uh, was there as a sergeant and then eventually ended up managing it as a lieutenant. Um, we had a, had, had a party. We called it a party, but it was once a month for lunch. Um, everybody would bring in a dish, and we would all have lunch together. And this was unusual because most days we all had lunch separately, you know, out on the road. But once a month, we would all come back to the office and have a big lunch together. And uh, somebody would make a big cake, and whoever had birthdays during the month, we would all sing happy birthday to them, and we would, you know, eat the birthday cake. And, um, you know, covered dish lunch, last Friday of every month, simple. It was something that we looked forward to. It was a great way to acknowledge the people that had birthdays during the month. It was also a way that, you know, just for people to kind of hang out and just let their hair down a little bit and, uh, you know, just something different. And, you know, we were one of the few units in the police department that did that, but my people really appreciated it. And it finally got to the point where um, these little get-togethers became so popular that some of the, the upper management from the police department would come and hang out with us because they knew we were having the party on the last Friday of every month. And so, you know, it's a simple thing. It didn't cost anybody anything. We were all going to have lunch, so everybody just brought a little bit extra to share, and, and we had a really good time. Um, and another unit that I managed, uh, my sergeants, I had three sergeants, and they took it on themselves to buy pizza for the shift every few weeks. Every few weeks, they would all chip in, buy several pizzas, take them to the precinct, and then put it out on the radio that, hey, there's pizza at the precinct. When you get a chance, stop by. It's a small thing, but when the supervisors are buying, the guys really, really appreciated it. And then the last one, we've talked about number one, get, you know, give your people better assignments. Give them something different to do at work. If you can't give them a great raise, you can't give them a bonus, Give them something to do at work that's different, something enjoyable. Uh, number two, handwritten cards, thank you cards, birthday cards, Christmas cards, whatever, but something written to the, to the employee. Number three, public acknowledgement. When they do something good, praise them in front of their peers. Number four, throw a party. And then the last one, number five, prizes. That's what I said, prizes. When I was a lieutenant at one of our precincts, um, I was very concerned about the low shooting scores of some of my officers. Um, most police departments only shoot once a year for qualification. We shoot, you know, the department that I retired from, we shot every three months. So every three months, I had to schedule the officers to go in and shoot and qualify. And, you know, just because somebody's a police officer does not mean they can shoot. And usually every, every quarter, I would have officers struggling to qualify. And the problem was if you didn't qualify, you got one chance to qualify again. Then if you didn't qualify, you were immediately taken off the road and put in a non-enforcement position. Then you had to go through a qualification, firearms qualification refresher. And then if you didn't qualify, your job was on the line. They might actually fire you. So it was that big a deal. And so guys that were borderline shooters stressed out. And so it got so bad. I had several officers in one precinct that just struggled. And so, um, 
you know, we tried to, to figure out a way to, to motivate these guys to go and practice on their own and to shoot better. So, so what we did was my three sergeants and I, we chipped in a few bucks and we bought a $25 restaurant gift card. And we did this every quarter. And the gift card was given to the officer that showed the most improvement every qualification. And we made a big deal out of it. You know, we'd say, look, we got this gift card, and this is not going to the officer that shoots the best. This is going to the one who, who, who improves the most, you know, from quarter to quarter. And, you know, people started really trying to get their scores up so they could win that gift card. So, you know, these are just a few things. Better assignments, thank you cards, public acknowledgement, throwing a party, prizes. And, of course, you know, you don't have to shoot every month. You can figure out a way to give out a prize. Somebody that makes the most sales, somebody that, that meets their quota, whatever it is, whatever they're doing, um, you know, reward people. And if you have to spend a few dollars out of your pocket doing it to keep your people motivated, do it. It'll be the best money that you ever spend. So when money becomes tight, in your organization, and it will from time to time, it becomes the responsibility of the supervisors, the managers, and the executives to become creative in the way that they reward their employees because it's these rewards that are going to help keep your people motivated. Look, most workers understand tough economies. They know that it means um, difficult times for the organization. But most of them also really, really appreciate when the people in charge look for other ways to express appreciation and gratitude for their hard work. So you as the leader, you as the manager, you as the supervisor, you as the CEO, it's up to you to keep your people motivated. Now, it's your turn. Can you think of any other ways to motivate and encourage your employees? I'm sure there's some things I missed. What are some other ways that you can keep your people motivated during a difficult economy? Go to davidspell.com, leave your question or your comment. Let me know what you think. I'm sure you've got some ideas that I haven't thought of. And while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you subscribe to get my free newsletter. I put out three blog posts a week, and subscribers also get my subscribers-only newsletter that I send out once a month. This is full of extra uh, leadership tips. It's full of uh, uh, great ideas that you can implement in your own leadership strategy. It's also got some updates on what Annie and I are doing in Brazil, some, Brazil, some pictures, and, and, and much, much more. So make sure you subscribe today. for this week's resource highlight. And today I want to highlight my newest book, Reflections on the Resurrection. You know, for those of us that are Christians, I think sometimes we forget that people don't become Christians just by believing a a set of rules or doctrines or, or, or theological principles. Nobody becomes a Christian like that. People become Christians because they have an encounter with a resurrected Jesus. Paul said, if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and then confess with our mouths, we're saved. Believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead is is one of the key elements of Christianity. And so what I do in Reflections on the Resurrection 
is it's educational. It talks about the, the resurrection. Uh, we look at all four gospel accounts. We, we look at the, the differences, the similarities. Um, it's apologetic. It defends the resurrection. Obviously, this has been attacked over the years, and there's many people that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But for 2,000 years, Christians have believed and understood that Jesus was physically resurrected from the dead on that Easter, that first Easter morning. So it's, it's educational. We talk about the resurrection, why it's important. Um, it's apologetic. We look at the, the, the different theories that, that have been leveled against the resurrection, and we talk about why um, we look at the evidence for the resurrection. And I try, and even in a few chapters, as a police officer looking at the evidence, um, build a case for why the evidence is so strong for the resurrection of Jesus. And then lastly, reflections on the resurrection is devotional. Again, it's not just believing, but it's having an encounter with Jesus. And, and, and these, these chapters are all designed to help us connect closer with Him and to um, really think through why the resurrection has such meaning for our lives today. Well, friends, take a look at that. There'll be a link in the show notes for Reflections on the Resurrection. I know you're going to love it. And um, until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.